listen africa has joined the reparations chat okay we're here and it's our time when you thought that black americans and the caribbeans were asking for reparations wasn't enough or like was enough africans are here and we're saying we also want our share because guess what colonialism happened to us and slave trade happened to us now you can bring in the politics of africans or selling the you could have refused to buy right as a moral obligation you could have refused but you are a willing participant and while we take responsibility and accountability for what some of the few people that did what they did did we are also not going to run away from the fact that africans were shipped from the continent to go and be slaves our resources were shipped from the continent and continue to this very day to be shipped off of the continent as we are um, twisted or blindsided in deals to benefit and grow Western economies. This agenda is being pushed by the president of Ghana at the United Nations General Assembly. He says, if you paid slave owners when you abolished trade, then you understood the economic value of slaves. So when we ask for payments, we're not foolish. We understand that what our people offered was economic value. And they could have offered that economic value back at home. But instead, they offered it to you. So, brother, pay up. It is time to acknowledge openly that much of Europe and the United States have been built from the vast wealth harvested from the sweat, tears, blood, and horrors of the transatlantic slave trade and the centuries of colonial exploitation. Maybe we should also admit that it cannot be easy to build confident and prosperous societies from nations that for centuries have their natural resources looted and their peoples traded as commodities. For centuries, the world has been unwilling and unable to confront the realities of the consequences of the slave trade. But gradually, this is changing, and it is time to bring the subject of reparations firmly to the fore. Granted, the current generations are not the ones that engage in the slave trade, but that grant in human enterprise was state-sponsored and deliberate, and its benefits are clearly interwoven with the present-day economic architecture of the nations that designed and executed it. Reparations must be paid for the slave trade. Hello there, how are you doing? Welcome to another episode of our conversations. My name is Indira Ganga. I'm a business journalist by profession and a digital content creator. I love coming on here, talking to you guys about, um, you know, black people, Africa, our empowerment and how we can rise up and take our rightful place at the global stage. Join me on social media at Ndiro Oganga on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram where I document my life as a journalist and as a traveler content creator across the African continent. Food, lifestyle, um, places, people, all that you can find it on my social media and again i'm so excited because i want to expand the scope of things that i cover on the channel not just politics but um explore other beautiful topics of food of people of places and just showcase africa through an african eye to the rest of the world and not through the bias lens of western media of disease hunger and poverty i want us to talk about the president of ghana and his speech at unga but before that i think it's very important as a journalist to bring to to light what's happening currently in ghana um they are having protests and they're protesting the high cost of living mismanagement of natural resources mismanagement of revenue by the government 
and just the cost of living is astronomical in that country. Food prices have gone up by 122%. Inflation is well over 40%. It peaked at 50%. The currency has lost over 60% of its value to the dollar. Debt to GDP hit over 80% at some point. Um, revenue to debt ratio hit over 50%. And things are just really hard in that country. So Ghanaians are out in the streets protesting. And to anybody who's in Ghana who watched this video, I don't want you to look like I'm out here praising your president while you guys are going through a really tough time in your country. Um, it's very important that also these things are raised because while African leaders um, do well at the international platforms and say the right things and champion for an African agenda, it's also very important for them to be cognizant of the situation back at home, the people they serve and serve them well right because they're the people that put you in power and put you on that pedestal where you have access to the united nations general assembly where you can now champion the african cause but if african countries do not exist and they crumble then the african agenda is a waste of time because the african agenda cannot exist without africans that said um i was watching the speech by the president of ghana at the united nations general assembly and he raised two things that are very important. I think one of the issues that he raised has been spoken about before, but I also think that it's important to keep talking about it over and over and over again until the world gets it. Because if the world doesn't get it, then, I mean, you repeat, repeat, repeat until they do something about it. And what's this issue? It's about the UN Security Council set. Africa has been a spectator. Africa has been given a non-permanent observatory role. Observe. This is so unfair because one, this crazy, they, this particularly right now, if you look at the Sahel, if you look at the Western Sahara, there's a lot of instability in that area. Um, and not instability, don't get it wrong. It's just this political instability. And how unrest begins is through politics. When there's political instability, it's very easy for a country to go down the drain because then it's so easy for many other things to come up. Um, there have been several coups in um, the Western Sahel region and even just Africa. We are at a very delicate place. Um, democracy is at, is at a delicate place. Some African countries have been having civil unrest for years. You know, um, DRC is one of them right now. Sudan is having civil unrest. And um, there's also like conflict between Rwanda and DRC. So these are things that are currently ongoing and they touch on security. Security of not just the countries, the region, but the continent. And then decisions about security will be made at the UN Security Council. And these decisions impact Africa, but Africans do not have a say in it because all they do have is an observatory role to go and see what the West will say about the state of security and what's going to be done, and then come and report back to the rest of the Africans. And what the president of Ghana is saying, we need a permanent seat so we can have a say because all you people do is you make decisions and these are vetoed decisions that nobody can challenge. And these decisions one way or another impact Africa. And we're not asking for 10 seats or three seats. He's saying, just give us one. For a start, give us one. Here's what he had to say. The time was low long overdue to correct the long-standing injustice that the current structure and composition of the United Nations Security Council represent for the nations of Africa. After serving on the Council at this difficult time in the world, 
our views on the need for reform have been even more strongly reasserted. We cannot continue to preach democracy, equality and good governance around the globe. We cannot insist on, insist on peace and justice in the world when our global organization is seen by the majority of its members and the people of the world as hampered by an unjust and unfair structure. Mr. President, the Assembly has quite properly chosen the rebuilding of trust as critical in restoring stability and prosperity to our world. We cannot rebuild that trust when the organization that should bind us is seen by many as helping to perpetuate an unfair world order which is reinforced by an inequitable, dysfunctional global financial architecture. Mr. President, for the, for the past year and a half, a full-scale war is being waged in the center of Europe. The United Nations appears unwilling or unable to influence the events taking place in Ukraine. Ghana has sat on the Security Council throughout this period and can testify that the global solidarity we seek to reignite under the umbrella of the UN will only happen if and when it sees those who wield the mighty power of veto. And at the moment, there's nothing to show that these countries have any interest or inclination to do so. Ghana still believes that this organization provides the best vehicle for the world to manage its hydro-headed problems, but it can only function effectively and meet our expectations when we reform the pillars upon which it rests. Anything short of that will continue to undermine its credibility. Now to the board of contention reparations. Um, we, I, I think I've covered reparations on this channel before, but mostly when I cover it, because I'm not an, an American or a black American, I can only cover it from an outside-in perspective where you look at the situation and you say, these people have worked for you for over 400 years as um, slaves. They were enslaved back then, and even now there's systematic slavery. So when they're asking you to pay them, it's because you're trying to level the playing field because they are just as American as you are. Now, in the context of Africa, it becomes really interesting because I think I first heard Dr. Omar talk about it, that Africans also deserve reparations. And I didn't, I didn't think much into it until I heard the president of Ghana talk about it. And he puts it really well. He says, if you shipped people from the continent to come work for you, and they've built up your countries, then that just shows you that you stole an opportunity for development because you stole active labor, you stole knowledge, you stole, you know, you stole hope, you stole life from the continent, and it's only fair that you pay up. You did not just steal people, you also stole resources, right? And you stole resources, some you stole with force, and some you stole in cahoots with, um, with the people who were in power. I'll give you a practical example because I'm Kenyan and I was extensively through high school, primary and high school, taught about the history of colonialism in Kenya and slave trade. For those who were not shipped on ships to go and um, work in America in plantations and, and other places where slaves worked, you provided merely free labor for the Brits in their farmlands, right? 
Kenya is big on coffee, is big on tea, we were big on sisal. You were pro providing almost free labor. You were in concentration camps, you were working very hard, you were being taxed. There was torture, this documentary that Al Jazeera did on British torture in Kenya. If you have time, go and check it. And you'll realize why we're having these conversations or are, as Africans are beginning to ask for this conversation. Um, Kenyans, I think, have individually asked for payment before. Um, and it's not structured, to be honest. And you're given whatever they think they should give you. And that's why I think it's very important that the president of Ghana brought this conversation at an international platform, synchronized the conversation, let it be that Africans deserve reparations. Then as Africans, lock yourself in a room and say, for everything that we endured, which is A, B, C, and D, this is what we want. And then when that money comes, this is what, as the African continent, we're going to do with it. Because while they were robbing different parts of, of, of the continent, which they later on subdivided into countries, in essence, they just robbed the whole continent of. And so it would be really interesting if um, this conversation is picked up and if Africans um, decide to pursue it. But let's listen to what the president of Ghana. We are not craving for sympathy and we do not want to be a scar on anybody's conscience. But we cannot, and the world should not pretend that the present day economic and social conditions of Africa have nothing to do with the historical injustices that have fashioned the structures of the world. It is time to acknowledge openly that much of Europe and the United States have been built from the vast wealth harvested from the sweat tears, blood, and horrors of the transatlantic slave trade and the centuries of colonial exploitation. Maybe we should also admit that it cannot be easy to build confident and prosperous societies from nations that for centuries have their natural resources looted and their peoples traded as commodities. For centuries, the world has been unwilling and unable to confront the realities of the consequences of the slave trade. But gradually, this is changing, and it is time to bring the subject of reparations firmly to the fore. Granted, the current generations are not the ones that engage in the slave trade, but that grant in human enterprise was state-sponsored and deliberate, and its benefits are clearly interwoven with the present-day economic architecture of the nations that designed and executed it. Reparations must be paid for the slave trade. No amount of money... No amount of money will ever make up for the horrors, but it would make the point that evil was, was perpetrated that millions of productive Africans were snatched from the embrace of our continent and put to work in the Americas and the Caribbean without compensation for their labor. If there are any hesitations in some minds about the paying of reparations, it is worth considering the fact that when slavery was abolished, the slave owners were compensated for the loss of the slaves because the human beings were labeled as property deemed to be commodities. Surely, this is a matter that the world must confront and can no longer ignore. The African Union, 
has authorized Ghana to hold a global conference on the issue in November in Accra. I don't think there's anything to add to this conversation. I'm always plugging you on things to go watch about Africa. I am really serious about going to watch that documentary on the, the, the torture methods that the Brits used on the Mau Mau soldiers in Kenya. It will give you a lot of perspective of, of why Africans are beginning to say pay up. You know, um, horrible things happened. I don't want to like get personal and emotional, but um, my grandfather worked in a, in a farm for white people and it didn't end well. And that's all we're going to say about that. But um, as a journalist, it's important to remain objective. But sometimes at the end of the day, you're a human being and um, some things honestly do not make sense. So for me, when I see African leaders begin to champion this cause, then it just means that for what Africans went through, some form of justice will be served. I think when we're done with reparations, then we need to start holding accountable those that perpetuated genocides on the continent and extreme torture, you know, Belgium, Germany, Britain, you know, we, 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 France, we have to start holding them up. Once we are done with the economic, let's go to the atrocities that they committed against human rights because at the end of the day, they've gotten away with this stuff for a really long time. Let me know what you think. I'll see you again next time. My name is Ndiro Ganga. Like this video, like it. Thank you for liking it. Now you can connect with me on social media at Ondero Gang on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, where I document my life as a business journalist and a travel content creator across Africa. See you again next time.